It has literally been 12 years since I had my son. Isaiah Carlos Rivera was born April 22nd, 2009 at 3.53 a.m. at the CAD Medical Hospital in Decatur, Georgia. That was the day that my heart broke. I'm going to insert um, the story again, but I just kind of wanted to start by saying that even though this is year 12, it still feels like day one. I have hurt. I have cried. I have kicked and screamed for 12 years at this point, but I'm still here. My story did not start there. My infertility did not start there. My infertility did not end there. But that is a pivotal changing place in my life to where I knew that things were never going to be the same. I spent 12 years attempting to get some type of normalcy in my life and it didn't come not on my accord not on anybody else's accord you know it just it took 12 years for me to get to this point I had a conversation with my therapist last week no this week and we were talking about what grief looks like for me right now. And it's a lot that I cannot explain, nor do I really want to, that's going on in my life right now that has put me in a space to where my grief is not, well, my grief is a priority, but in the beginning that, you know, when it came to Isaiah's birthday, I had to take off. Like the week leading up to his birthday or, you know, a few days leading up to his birthday, I had to take time off from work because it was a, it was not going to say a requirement, but it was a requirement in my mind that I needed to take off because I'm going to be a wreck. I'm going to be upset. I'm going to not focus. So I learned to try to take that time to be to myself so I could cry, I could do whatever it is that I wanted to do. And she said, so what are you planning to do this this year? I said, well, or she said, what does it look like now for you? I said, well, it's a lot different. I said, technically, I said, I'm off for the next two weeks um, for personal reasons, but not this. I said, now I look at it that now is actually an option for me to be off just if I want to. It's not a requirement anymore. If I wouldn't have gone through what I've gone through, I wouldn't be here at this point. 
if I would have succumbed then to what was going on, I don't think I would be here now. But it took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of crying. It took a lot of healing. It took a lot of talking to get to this point. I still think about my son every day. I look at my daughters and wish he was here to protect them, to guide them, to teach them, um, and just be here and be in the present with me because I don't know what life would be like right now, even if he was here. I don't even think I would be in this position if I had him when I did. I don't know what life would look like, but I still wish he was here. I look back and all I want is anyone under the sound of my voice to know that, yes, it's going to hurt. Yes, it's going to be painful. Yes, it's not going to look like it does on the TV. There's no cookie cutter way for you to go through grieving. There's no way for you to go through what I've gone through. Everybody does not grieve the same. Everybody does not heal the same. And don't let anybody, and I preach this as much as I can, don't let anybody put a timetable on your grief. You do what you got to do to make sure that you can make it through day by day. And I say in the beginning, take it as slow as you can, because that's what I didn't do. The moment that I came home, it was a full whirlwind. Take it as slowly as you can. If you can be out, take the time. Don't rush to go back. Let your body heal. Um, if you got to figure out a way for you to get it out, journaling, talking to someone, getting a therapist. Um, I highly recommend a therapist in the, you know, once you come out of certain stages. I don't say immediately, but at some point, find you a therapist or find you a grief counselor or find you somebody that you can confide into or find you a support group or a network that someone that understands what you've gone through and specifically baby losses. Not just anyone who just knows about grief. Find you a network of people who have gone through losses in the manner that you have. I miss my son. I miss him. I wonder what he would look like now, how he would act like, how tall he would be, how curly his hair would be. You know, I I think of that 
because my son looked like his father. And even though me and my son's father are not together, that is always going to be a common ground that me and him have. I truly, truly miss my son. So I just wanted to say happy birthday to you. I love you. I wish that you were here. And I don't want to say I can't wait until I can see you again, but I really can't wait till I can see you again. I love you. So for this episode, I wanted to include my son's father, Lewis, on here. I did not want to have like a conversation per se with him. Um, not ready for that, but I just gave him some questions and prompted him to kind of respond to see where he's at, you know, how that experience was for him and, you know, kind of where, where is he, um, today as it is our son's birthday today. So I present to you Lewis and then shortly after you will hear, um, Isaiah's story again. So, it seems like I've never really spoken much about this. Um, let me see. 12 years later. You know, 12 years later now. Um, of course, a lot of stuff has changed in my life. Um, it's it's difficult. Um, I hold a lot of stuff back. I, I hold a lot of stuff in. And I don't really talk about much, but this is one of the stuff, one of the things that I, I don't know, for some reason, forever, I was kept to myself. And because I know how I get when I think about it, you know, it just throws off my whole day. And it still, it still feels like this never happened. You know, sometimes I wake up and then it's just a reminder, you know, the only tattoo I have is on my right arm. Of course, and that's Isaiah's name. So, it's, I don't know, I guess in a way, it's weird. I don't know, I don't really know how to explain the feeling, but I always think about, damn, what, what, how, who, what kind of person would he be been? Would he be died? you know, my, my temper, my, my funny side, my, my passion for sports or, you know, sweet down to earth, a little crazy like his mama. I mean, it's just some stuff that, you know, I think about all the time and it's been a lot, it's been a long time since I've been over there to the little memorial site they have at the cemetery. It's been a long time since I've been over there and it has a lot to do with the fact that when we went through this 12 years ago, my biggest regret was not holding him. Like that was the thing that I honestly didn't do. You know, I was young. I didn't know what was going on at the moment. It, it didn't quite hit me till after, you know, after I left the room, um, you know, cause I was so focused on her and how she was feeling that it wasn't until, you know, I left the room and 
I remember like it was yesterday, you know, my, my homeboy, um, came through the double doors and it seems like when the double doors opened up, it's just, it's like this light, it was just so bright, you know, and for the first time that day, somebody had asked me, was I okay? And I've only felt like this twice. Well, this this was one of the times. It was when you know I lost my son, and one of my homeboys, Jermaine, passed away. This is years after, later after that whole uh, after that happened with us. But that day, like my whole body just like gave out, and I cried and I cried and I cried for a long time because. My thing was, I always wanted to be a father. I was excited. You know, things probably wasn't the best with us at the time, but we both wanted that so bad, you know. So it was it was, it was, was hard. You know, even when I talk about it now, I think about it now, I get real emotional because it's like I wouldn't wish that feeling on nobody. It was, it was painful. You didn't know what to do. You was looking for answers, but nobody had an- the answers that you was looking for, you know. And it, it affected a lot of stuff in my life, you know. Um, I grew up in a real religious home, so I turned my back on religion, you know, my, my back on God and all that. Because it's like, why would you want somebody to feel this? I don't care. You know, it's a purpose behind everything. Everything happens for a reason. But some things is just, it's like you always ask why. Like, was did, did I really have to go through that to get to where I'm at right now? I'm pretty sure if I didn't go through that, I'd still be in the position that I am right now. You know, that's just me, not my point of view. But um, here I am, 32 years old. And it's so surreal, you know. I would have had a 12 year old, another 12 year old, yeah, another 12 year old running around. Because one of my daughters, she's 12. And it's just, I don't know, like, I think about it all the time. I try not to, because I know how I get. But I never really went to talk to nobody about it. Um, And I think that's something that I am going to do. It's just not that because it's a lot of stuff in my life that, you know, I have to work on. And But that's just one of them. That's one of the stuff that I haven't completely healed. Not saying that I am going to heal. I'll be, and, you know, it's just something that later on in life I'm going to forget about it. Cause I'm never going to forget that. You know, I, I can never. So, I don't know. I don't really talk much. I really don't do this right here, but it's 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 hard, you know. I have four kids now. I love my kids. They 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 are my world, and you know, just wonder like who, how who who would he been like? How how would he been like? It's just questions that I'll, I just never have answers for, you know. I'll never find out. And that's the hardest part, you know. 
it sucks, you know, but I cherish every moment I have now with my kids. And I'm thankful for everything, you know, everything I've been able to give them, you know, the joy and sense of happiness they give me when I see them. I know, you know, it would have been the same with him now, you know. I don't know. I just, it's hard. It's just, it's just hard. And I'm, uh, I'm trying to fight it back and hold these emotions and everything because I'm at work. <laughs> but, yeah. If I could go back, if I could go back in time and just would have took the time at that moment to hold them, just to hold them. That's the one thing I do regret. One of my biggest regrets in life was that, because I think that's hunted me, is being, I don't know. And I can't even get my words out now, but. Yeah. I wanted to tell you guys the story of where this really kind of turned for me so 2009 normal pregnancy going through a lot of things um just a complete normal pregnancy i went to all my appointments um i didn't have any problems um but maybe the week or so before um the week or so before i I had isaiah you know i was feeling a little weird so i was having some crazy dreams um, having some different kind of, you know, labor pains of what I thought and, you know, just didn't kind of just brush it off. Didn't kind of pay it any attention. Baby had been moving fine. You know, nothing's going on, you know, whoop de whoop. So earlier on the 21st, I had lost my mucus plug. So I'm like, oh my goodness, it's almost time for me to go into labor you know, that's just the first key signs. Of course, this is like my first full-term pregnancy. So, of course, I don't really know. And so, I'm at work. And I tell my boyfriend at the time, like, hey, you know, my mucus plug fell out. So, the baby should be here probably, you know, probably within the next couple of weeks. Maybe, don't know. And, you know, while I'm sitting at work, I'm starting to feel like contractions. And so... Um, my mom was working with me at the time. And so I called her and I'm like, mom, I'm not feeling too good. Um, I'm having these pains in my back and it hurts really, really bad, but it's not consistent enough for me to try to go in yet. So just keep me posted. My back's hurting, you know, just going through the day. So later on, the pain gets a little bit stronger. So I'm like, okay, I'm going into labor at this point. I continue to go through the day. I call the doctor. Um, and they're saying, well, you know, count and see how far they are apart. And so at that time, it was probably like maybe 10 minutes that the contractions were going. So I call my boyfriend, tell him to come pick me up. We go to the hospital. Um, my mom gets off work. She goes to the hospital with us. And luckily enough, the hospital was not far from where I was working at at the time. So I get to the hospital, 
go through the emergency room, you know, tell them, or go through labor and delivery, excuse me, you know, tell them I'm having contractions, I'm having these pains, and, you know, we're just sitting around just talking, talking, um, and so they're trying to put the monitor on me, so if you know, if you've been pregnant before, they usually put a, a, a fetal monitor on your stomach, and so at first, you know, the nurse was trying to put it on, she could never find the baby's heartbeat so she was like oh the baby's just playing just keep running can't find it can't find it but then it goes on a little too long so she actually finally just hooks it up and just lets it go and then she couldn't I guess she couldn't find the heartbeat so we continue going and they order an ultrasound just to see you know what's going on they asked me have I felt the baby move and I told them well yeah I felt it but I don't really remember the last time I actually felt the baby move. So they order the ultrasound and the tech comes in maybe like maybe 10, 15 minutes later. And I work, I used to work, well, I currently work cardiology, but I was working cardiology at the time. And so I know what it sounds like looking for a heartbeat. And so she just has this look on her face. And of course, they teach techs to not show any emotion to, you know, pretty much be, you know, have a poker face when you do stuff like that. But me looking and I looked at the screen and so she tried to run the, the heartbeat, try to find it. You didn't hear anything. And so I asked her what's wrong and she doesn't respond. And so I asked her what's wrong again. And she looks at me, she's like, you know, well, you need to wait for the doctor. And she's telling me in the process, you know, by the look on her face, she was like, that she can't find a heartbeat. So she goes out the door and I tell, I think I tell my mom and I tell my boyfriend, like, they can't find a heartbeat. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. And so the doctor comes in and does the ultrasound again. And they tell me that they can't find the heartbeat. Mind you, I am 34 weeks pregnant I am literally in my ninth month and at that point just the room goes silent people were coming I don't know who sent a text message out anything but I start getting a flood of people coming into this room and it's just literally like I don't understand what's going on and, you know, the doctor tells me there's no heartbeat. So we're going to have to get this baby out of you. Um, you are in labor, but we're going to induce it, you know, to make you go into active labor. And that was probably one of the most traumatic times of my life because I had a dead baby inside of me. And not to be blunt or, you know, not acknowledge you know what's going on but my child has just died that I've carried for nine months and what you're telling me is that I'm gonna have to go through active labor active delivery and birth a dead child at that point I had no clue what that meant or what that you know what it would do to me and you know just they finally put me up on the floor and they gave me the Pitocin. They gave me the epidural. Like I went through the whole 
delivery experience to the point that I'm, I mean, in the delivery room, you know, we're waiting for me to be able to push this baby out and, you know, I'm crying in between things. I'm trying to focus and I just, between me crying, I'm asleep. I wake up, I'm crying, I'm going back to sleep. It was just like, there was no words to be said. There was nothing anybody could say to me. There was nothing anybody could do. And so I, you know, I try to do my best at resting. And so at about three o'clock or so, it was almost four o'clock because his birth time was 3.53. I wake up and I said, I'm feeling pressure and I didn't know what was going on. So I'm like, I really feel this pressure, like, like I need to push. And I really didn't even have to push at that point because I reached down, not to be graphic, but I reached down and I felt his head. So I had already started pushing anyway, called the nurse and they said, well, hold on. We're trying to get the doctor, you know, whoop de whoop. And it wasn't even maybe less than 10 minutes and I pretty much had caught him myself um I just had my son and it was the hardest thing to do because it was not something that I wanted to do and it was traumatic to the point that I had to to catch my own child because the doctor wasn't coming fast enough um and I had to get through the motion of seeing my child, um, you know, seeing my child the way that he was. Um, he was rather small, even though I was only 34 weeks. He was about three pounds at that time. And they cleaned him up. They gave him to me. And... I held him for maybe like five or 10 minutes and I sent him away and I never saw my son again. Um, and at that time it was, uh, it was hard to come to terms with a lot because also at the same time, my cousin, um, my cousin's girlfriend at the time was, pregnant also and she wound up having her baby on the same day that I did so my son and one of my cousins um share a birthday so today is usually very hard for me because I see her and I wish that my son was here too with her you know we would be planning birthdays from afar or we'll be doing something celebratory um, together because I know that, you know, me and my cousin are close, but we would, um, I knew we'd be doing something together. So, you know, after having Isaiah and, you know, getting everything going, um, I stayed in the hospital probably for another two days or so. And it literally was a blur. I don't know who came and saw me. 
I don't know who called me. Um, I just got so many condolences and trying to make sure that I'm okay. And then in the process of me going through that, they decided they wanted to have like a memorial ceremony and God forbid that people do these kind of things. Like it wasn't, I wish that somebody would have been an advocate for me in this time to the point that I would have been sane enough to do the things that I really wanted to do um, without any kind of constraint because silly me, they had a memorial. Um, the chaplain and them came in and said, you know, or whoever does these arrangements, they gave me options. They either said, you can get the ashes, you can get the body, or you can, we have a service where we'll cremate them for free, but we'll sprinkle the ashes in a memorial garden in a cemetery um, near um, in Clarkston. I think it's considered Clarkston. And dummy me, I'm going to call myself a dummy because I did not think to tell them like, hey, you know what? Don't, um, you know, let me think about it. And the first thing I thought of was, the money to to try to to even to bury him or the money to cremate him and that was just something that I did not have at that that moment um and at that time I'm still grieving so the day the day that I have my child um you know somebody comes in and asks me these questions and I'm I don't know what to say so I tell them just go ahead and cremate him and y'all sprinkle the ashes you know not thinking, not in my right mind, not in my in my grieving state that this would have been right. And again, literally a blur, but I remember them. I don't know if it was the day of or the day after they rolled me down to this chapel. I'm in still a hospital gown and it was my mom, my boyfriend, I think my dad was there. I don't even remember who was there, honestly. And some chaplain who I don't know, who does not know me, does not know my family, decided to give a memorial about a child they've never met. And I felt upset. I felt wronged. And I felt literally like, this is stupid. And why would someone even make this doable at this time. But again, it was me in a state that I did not know what to do and I thought this would help and it didn't. So by the time I left and was discharged, I got home and I don't think, I don't wanna say I don't think anybody thought about it, but when I got home, um, I was staying at, with my parents at that time and I got home and the first thing I do when I walk in my room, his bassinet is up. The clothes are still in the room um, and I immediately fall to my knees and I cry because I'm coming home with no baby and everything is still here.
like I left it. And I don't think that should have been the first thing I saw when I got home. I don't know how long it was before I really got back to a state where I didn't cry every day. Um, I know probably the day after I got home, I went to a concert by my friend Dave and I love him to death because he dedicated that concert to me and to Lewis and to our son. And I never forget that day because that was the first, you know, big thing that somebody did for me. And, you know, over the last, the next couple of weeks, they allowed me to stay home. I was out for six weeks um, for maternity leave. And, you know, a lot of that too was a blur. Um, I just remember going out a lot and trying to pass the time and even still because I was not being compliant probably within like two weeks I had got readmitted to the hospital for a high fever an unexplainable fever I could not could they they had no clue of what it was and pretty much I had to deal with that and Like I said, it's been 11 years since I lost my son. Not a day goes by that I don't think about him. And now that my my two-year-old and my seven-month-old are here, it's, it's even harder now because I wish they had their brother. I do. I really wish that they had their brother here so they can play with them and he could, you know, guide them and protect them as a brother should but he's not and I just want anybody who hears this that again I never want a pity party but I don't think I've ever told that story out loud to anybody I've written it down I've sent it to people but I've never told that story out loud and it's hard to process and to think that you can get over it immediately because a lot of people you know used to tell me oh it's okay I mean you'll get over it um you'll be able to have kids again eventually um it's not it's not your ending place you know be glad he didn't have to deal with whatever was going on or whatever's going on in the world right now and you know a lot of stuff that people just shouldn't say to people who just lose someone you know in general and I just I wish in those pro in that time I wish I had somebody with a sound mind around me at all times like even my boyfriend I can't even say that he was at sound mind because we're both going through something as traumatic as it was, even though he did not carry him, he went through a lot with me in regards to that situation. So it's not like it would be, he was in a sound state at that time. Um, I just wish that somebody was there for me from the beginning. Um, I wish they didn't, you know, put a constraint on my grief because I wasn't ready to go home yet. Um, I wish there was a way to protect women in this, in this space. I wish I would have had 
honestly a psych evaluation before I left. I wish that somebody would have told me that, you know, therapy doesn't work in a day, which is what I thought. And it never happened. And up until now, I'm just now starting to go to therapy to work on this and work on what's going on work on what's happened because I honestly do have PTSD in regards to the situation and it's never stopped. I just hope that hearing this story, you know, I'm not the only person who's ever gone through this and for me to be 31 years old at this point to have had a stillborn in my life that this molded me to where I am now. It was never a stopping point for me, but it did help me get, you know, it helped me grow. It helped me to be strong. So even though I can still tell that story, I can cry my eyes out. I still have raw emotions about it. I can still tell the story sometimes in pieces without, without it being me crying the whole way through. But it used to be the time that anybody would say my son's name, I'm in tears. The moment, it it never failed. You brought up my son, I'm crying. Now, it takes a lot for me to bring that up before. So now I can speak about my son. I love him. I miss him. I want him here. But it took literally me to get to year 11 to be at this point that I'm not ashamed to tell my story. I'm not ashamed to tell people that I've lost my son because at the beginning I was. I was ashamed to tell people that I lost children. I was ashamed because I did not carry my child. And I blamed myself for so many years about me losing my child. And I blamed myself for all the miscarriages and things that I had. I continued to blame. And it took me probably up until maybe five years ago to stop it took me probably five years ago to stop blaming myself stop blaming my body for what happened and just accept the things that happened I'm not gonna say that my faith was strong at that point because I had lost all religion the day that I lost my son like why would you do this who do you think you are doing this to me and who do you think you are to just take my son from me? Like, you're God, the creator. So why would you take somebody from me that I didn't even get to meet? So at this point, I just wanted to share my birth story with him because nobody has heard it. Nobody has heard it. Only people have lived it with me. And that's my really close friends and my family. And so I wanted to share this story because, again, I don't I want people to know that those times are not just cut and dry for people. It's like you walk in one day saying that you're going to have a baby and then two days later you walk out and you have nothing. Everything that you've built up toward is gone. And my son was one of those things that was taken away from me and I just want to give somebody a, a a voice because I know I'm not the only person who's gone through that, but I know a lot of people are afraid to share that. So 
if you ever come across somebody who you meet that has a birth story or they're kind of hesitant about telling it, something might be wrong and something they might not want to share with you. But again, I want to be able to give people the confidence to tell their story and be able to vocalize their feelings because that was one thing I never wanted to tell anybody is that I was ashamed of growing this child and then losing this child. Full-blown ashamed because I could not carry my child to term. And I don't want anybody to be ashamed of you losing your children. I want you to be proud because from that moment, you're a mother. You're a mother. You're a father at that point. You are a parent. And you can never deny the children that you have lost because they are what made you parents in the first place. So again, today is Isaiah's birthday. He would have been 11 years old today. And I wanted to be able to celebrate his life by sharing his story. Because without him, this story would not exist. 